This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you are having an awesome day and really glad to be with you on this podcast as we interview Doug Middleton, former App State Mountaineer. It's the the first player I've had on in a while uh, from my university, uh, where, of course, I graduated from. If you're a loyal listener, uh, I am an App State Mountaineer, and so fun to have Doug on today. He spent six years in the NFL as well, and we're going to hear his football journey, his faith journey, how those two intertwine, and we're also going to talk about what he's passionate about, which is very important, and it's mental health. And we all have mental health, and so are we talking about mental health? And and so we talk about our physical health. What about our mental health? And and so the work that he's doing, you know, as an NFL player, and and his impact on on the next generation, and and really the impact just in this area is is really important. And and so. He, he and I have a conversation uh, about mental health and some different perspectives on the approach to even the conversation and the perspectives on it. It's, it's, it's very, uh, very interesting. And not that I, I sure don't have all the answers. He's, he's you know, in this and, and, and learning and growing himself. And uh, he, he talks about uh, becoming a Christian back in 2011. And so he's growing in his faith and, and, and God using him. Uh, in this area is, is pretty cool. Um, and so we get to this topic kind of later on in the conversation. So today is a longer podcast than normal. That's because he's got quite the story. He's got quite the story to share on the front end. And then we, we talk about Dream the Impossible, uh, his his organization, and, and, and again, the work that he's doing. So uh, stick around for that. Normally, I'll come back on at the end to give some more takeaways. Today, it's a longer show. So We'll just uh, we'll say goodbye at the end of the conversation uh, with Doug. Um, but my, my big encouragement heading into it is we have to take mental health seriously. And we've heard this. It's been a hot-button kind of topic, especially coming out of COVID. But I just I, – I talk to a lot of people. I have you know, wonderful friends. People are struggling. And you listening might be struggling as well. In one way or another. And maybe you're struggling with circumstances, but there's no doubt it's affecting how you think, how you feel, how, your approach to life. And as a follower of Jesus, 
the number one answer is always turning to him, trusting in him, following him, relying on him for strength and power. And along with that, using the, the things that have been set up for us to get help and, and for God to use those things in our lives, um, to use counseling, to use accountability partners, to use uh, encouragers, to use uh, pastors and people in the church and, and friendships and all that kind of thing. We have to rely on all of that that, that is available to us. Yeah, sometimes taking more you know professional steps and 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 going down you know different paths that 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 help us out. But of course, we do all of that with God and with His strength and with His ability, uh, with with His power in us, gives us the ability to to keep going, to grow, to change, to renew our mind, uh, as Romans twelve talks about. We have to renew our mind, um, and God has to heal us, and He 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 does that sometimes miraculously, instantly. And, and sometimes it's through a longer process, uh, sometimes a harder road uh, as well. So hopefully that's, that's encouraging to, to someone today. One, you're not alone. People, people are, are, are also struggling. But let's struggle well together. Let's struggle, you know, not forever, but in some ways we will struggle forever because on this side of heaven. But knowing the hope that we have in Jesus for eternity with him, but we, we still want to struggle well together and we, we link arms, we encourage one another. So we talk some of, uh, about that a little bit with, with Doug as well. So I think it's an important topic. And, and as Doug talks about too, it within the church, it's not always talked about mental health. It's, it's not to, to, to really the extent that it needs to based on really what's going on um, in, in society and, and in the, the hearts and minds of, of all of us. But we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with one another, and and let's build each other up, encourage one another, and and get the help that's that's needed, so that we can thrive, that that we can, you know, embrace all that God has for us, and and you know, for for me too, it's it's I've got to work on my physical health as well. I've I've neglected elements of my physical health, and so that that's a key key part of it. We're God, God created us to be. In, in amazing ways. He's the creator. And, and we do live in a fallen world, and so our bodies are broken. Thankfully, we will be re- redeemed ultimately with, with resurrection bodies uh, in heaven, and, and we long for that day. But in the meantime, yeah, we've got to kind of learn and grow and allow him to transform us inside and out and, and take steps uh, to, to improve, improve in, in multiple areas in our lives, um, including mental health. Um, so that's the, that's one of the messages for today. That's the encouragement. As we dive in, you're going to enjoy this football story, this faith journey. And before we do jump in with Doug, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. MediShare offers programs for every budget. So if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MediShare today, MediShare.com slash unpacking it. So if you're an individual, a parent, small business owner, ministry leader, or self-employed, MediShare has options for you. The best part is their members, on average, save 50% or more on their health care costs. Go to MediShare.com slash unpacking it. MediShare has been great for my family, and so we are members and have been uh, for over five years, and so encourage you to check it out, MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Well, right now, we are welcoming on 
former App State Mountaineer. Here we go. It's Doug Middleton. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. And joining us on the MetaShare guest line is Doug Middleton. He's a graduate of App State like myself, but he was there as a football player, a first-team all-conference player after a a wonderful college career. He's been in the NFL for six seasons. He spent time with the Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars, Titans, Panthers, and 49ers. He's the son of a therapist, and so he's passionate about mental health and has spoken on behalf of the NFL PA and on the state of mental health in the NFL. In his free time, he enjoys developing young men through his foundation, Dream the Impossible. You can check out dreamtheimpossible.org. He's also involved with EXTA. Uh, you can go to imexta.com, which stands for Excelling Through Adversity. So we'll discuss that as well with Doug. But man, Doug, so great to have a fellow App State alum on Unpacking It. How you doing? Bryce, man, appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited uh, to be on the show and just um, you know, share my life with some some other Mountaineers and some, you know, other Charlotte individuals and and really just, you know, chop it up a little bit. That's right. Absolutely. Well, for, first, I'm curious, just, to, you know, this is kind of the off season for, for the NFL, even though there's always something going on. But yeah. uh, but for you, what what is the off season look like? What, what are the last couple of months look like for you and kind of what do you have planned uh, moving forward? Yeah. So for me, the off season is really a time um, that I have to focus on other endeavors, you know, in my life besides just football. Um, now, you know, with football training starting to get cranked back up, you know, being that it's closer to off-season workouts starting and uh, everything getting back going, uh, the first few months, you know, after uh, the season's completed, uh, for me, for the first time, it was actually in January and, and not and not the end of December when I was going home. So uh, that was a, a new thing to get used to and, you know, not having as much time to really uh, focus on some of those off-the-field uh, things that I'm passionate about. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's just been focusing on growing my foundation and, and helping a lot of youth with, with mental health and, and also uh, extra and working with student athletes and their mental health. So that's really been what I've been focused on over the last few weeks and, and being able to bring some resources to our community. That's awesome. So we're, we're going to talk a bunch about that, but, but I want to let listeners know just kind of more about you and your, your story. And, yeah. and so we'll start with kind of your football story, but, but of course, intertwine your, your faith journey in, in the midst of it. And, and let's go back to when you're, you're playing high school football and you're deciding where, where to play college football. And you've got a unique kind of story and, and journey with that that, that I'd, I'd love for you to share today. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely get into that story. So for me, um, you know, growing up, everybody wants to play in the SEC. Everybody wants to play at Alabama. Uh, everybody wants to play at Clemson. And, um, you know, going into my 11th grade year, my dream school, was South Carolina, USC. Um, you know, at the time, they were winning a ton of games, and I think they had, like, Stephon Gilmore and Marcus Lattimore, uh, you know, the the guys that uh, you just really emulate. And, um, you know, at that time, that was that was my dream. And uh, going into my 11th grade year, I went to the football camp at South Carolina, and I go out there, and, and uh, they had been recruiting me pretty heavy. Uh, you know, they had been at the school a few times, and, you know, I've been at a few games my entire junior year, but um, – the end of the camp uh, during the summer, 
the coaches just let me know that, hey, we won't, you know, we're not going to offer you and uh, we won't be offering you uh, anytime soon. Like, it's not going to happen. And uh, so that was a tough blow for me. I, I remember getting in the car and, and um, really just just crying because my mom and I and, and my parents and just my family, we had put so much into this game and we have, you know, worked so hard, you know, throughout my high school journey to be in this position to possibly even get an offer from, from South Carolina. And, uh, you know, when we didn't get it, it was, it was, it was crushing. So, um, you know, I left there and I went to other, other schools. I went to, on other visits and other camps and, you know, nothing really seemed, nothing really seemed right. You know, so I just started Googling. I started Googling different schools and, um, you know, Chris, you heard, uh, you heard this story. I mean, um, you're my fault, Bryce, you heard this story, but I found Appalachian state, you know, I found it on Google and, when I saw it, I'm like, man, this school, they, they've won a ton of games, you know, they've won a ton of games and uh, they've put a lot of guys into the NFL and it's not that far from home. And um, so I kind of had my eyes set on App State. The only issue was, is that, you know, App State didn't have their eyes set on me, you know? And <laughs> so that was, that was a big thing, actually. Uh, you know, I went up there on an unofficial visit to check out a game and, um, you know, during that time, um, I maybe talked to one or two coaches, but, you know, it was just kind of, Hi, how you doing? And that was pretty much it. Um, so, you know, going throughout my senior year, um, you know, schools began to conversate with me and, and Wofford was the first one that offered me. Uh, Coach Woody, who was the D coordinator at App State uh, during my junior and senior year, um, they offered me and, and and I committed because really I didn't have anywhere else to go. And I wanted to make sure, you know, it was my first one. I wanted to make sure I had somewhere to go. Went on a visit to Wofford. Uh, I think I decommitted by the time I left there because I was telling everybody in the building that there's no way I'm going to the school. So uh, I was even telling the other guys I was on the visit. I'm like, there is no way I'm going to the school. It's like 1,800 people. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's in the middle of Spartanburg. I was like, I'm 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 gonna go and pass on this. So um, uh, I don't blame you because they when when I was up at App, we were in the SoCon. So Wofford was our big rival. Yeah, yeah, so, it was pretty rival. I didn't like I didn't like Wofford, so I'm I'm right there with you. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Wofford, Wofford, I mean, it's, it's a great school, but, you know, I would not want to practice against the triple option every day, which is what they were running back in the day. And, and I mean, just the school, it was, it's, it's beautiful, but I wanted, a you know, a bigger uh, college atmosphere. And, and I think it's a, a wonderful school, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. Um, and then so I identified some other schools that, that started to recruit me, Old Dominion, Elon, and um, Old Dominion made a good run at it. Um, you know, and, and they even got my parents on their side. And uh, my parents had really wanted me uh, to attend Old Dominion. Um, so, you know, I was I was really heavily considering it. And uh, like I said, App State was in a place where they hadn't really, you know, made a, a, a big push at me. But uh, maybe like a couple weeks out from signing day, um, App State started to pick up their interest a little bit. And a guy by the name of Coach Sloan, who at the time was uh, the recruiting coordinator and also defensive back coach, he reached out and said, hey, like, we're interested. Um, the only thing is, is it's about four more guys ahead of you. You know, if those four guys, uh, you know, it doesn't really work out with those four guys. We'd love to offer you, love to have you ah. mountaineer. And I'm like, man, like, it was a couple of weeks before signing day, and, and I've been looking at this school the entire time just dreaming to, to be a mountaineer. And, um, you know, I'm still not good enough yet. I'm still not, you know, one of the ones that they've chosen. So um, a couple of weeks go by. And uh, he calls me every week and lets me know, like, hey, this guy just dropped out. Hey, another guy's not going to be able to attend. And, and we'll get all the way uh, to about a week out. And it's a week away from signing day, and all the coaches are asking me. They're like, man, like, 
what are you going to do? Like, where, 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 are you, where are you going to school at? Are you going to go to Wofford? Like, I know, you know, go, go to Old Dominion, the two schools that offer me. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to neither. I'm going to, I'm going to Appalachian State. And, um, you know, they laughed and they said, how you go to a school that hasn't even offered you in this couple of days before signing day? And uh, I just really had a vision in my mind. I had, um, you know, a lot of faith that, you know, God would present the opportunity for me to go to Appalachian State. And mm-hmm. I really prayed about it. And it's something I really had in my heart. And um, a couple of days before signing day, uh, after that last recruiting visit weekend, uh, Coach Sloan called me and said, hey, you know, the other guy said, no, we're going to be able to offer you a scholarship. And I was the last, I was one of the last uh, offers uh, that of, of that class. And uh, Coach Moore came and, you know, gave me a home visit maybe two days later. And uh, from that moment, I knew I was going to Appalachian State. Uh, but, you know, my parents weren't as supportive at the time because they wanted me to go to you know, school like older me and that that has supported me a little bit more and recruited me a little bit heavier throughout the process. And, um, you know, I made the decision, you know, after not even sleeping at my own home the night before signing day because my parents were just so like, I mean, they weren't pleased at all that I decided to choose a school that just offered me two days ago. And, and wow. um, you know, I knew what I had in my heart and I knew that Appalachian State was the place for me. And, um, you know, I committed that weekend on my visit and I signed two days later, um, you know, to, to attend Appalachian State. Oh, what a story. I love yeah. that. And and I think fans, we don't always realize all that, that goes into that recruiting process. And we may get updates or follow different things or whatever, yeah. but to, to hear the, the the wrestling even within the family, to know what's going on, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there. Um, and, and so where were you at in your in your faith journey during this time? Because you, you said that you felt like God was was leading you there to, to a certain extent. So what was that? What was that process like? Because I can relate. As soon as I went up to App, I went up in the summer. Like, yep, this is where I'm going. I only applied to App. I didn't apply to any other schools. I'm, I'm going to App. So I'm, <laughs> so I get it. Yeah, yeah I would, I would say, Bryce. Like, um, you know, the thing is, faith. I, I grew up in the church. You know, I, um, you know, I was always around. You know, Christianity, faith, um, and it was always a big part of my life. But I think it was more at that age of my parents really just directing me there and really guiding me to faith and uh, really guide me to God. And, um, you know, when I went on up to Appalachian State for the first time, I can just remember just getting that feeling like, hey, this is a place that I can have some success. This is a place that, you know, God wants me to be. And, and I wouldn't say at that point that I've had a direct, um, you know, connection, um, you know, with God and I wasn't really saved yet. I, I got saved on my own when I was a little kid. You know, you 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 hit a call to worship and, and and your parents tell you go up there and stuff like that. So I, I did that when I was a little kid. But um, you know, I tell you that the moment I got saved is uh August 9th, twenty eleven in the App State football team room. Um we had a, a a um kind of a motivational speaker, but a a Christian speaker came in and, and um doing the team Bible study and uh, he talked about faith and talked about God and you know, read us some scriptures and I could really feel um you know, God moving in my life. And, and I knew if I'm going to start that journey, um, you know, at Appalachian State, I, I knew I was going to need to have faith, uh, be part of that picture. Uh, so that's the, the day I committed my life over uh, to Jesus Christ and um, became a Christian. Um, and, you know, I remember as that's the first day that I made a decision on my own, uh, besides mm-hmm. my, you know, decision to go to Appalachian State, but that was my second adult decision was to, was to do that. So um, it's crazy how both those you know, my two first growing up decisions happened, had something to do with Appalachian State. Amen. And God had his hand in, in all of that to, to, yeah, to lead you there. He, and then he did. Draw, he did. And then draw, draw, draw you to himself uh, through, through the speaker that, that showed up at a, at a 
team meeting. So that's a, that's a cool story. I lo- love hearing that. And, and so your time at App State had some, some wonderful moments. Ultimately, it, it prepared you and led you to the NFL, but you also faced some surprises and some challenges. Yeah. What, what were those? Yeah. Um, you know, Bryce, I, I've experienced a, a lot, um, you know, in my career at Appalachian State and even my career, um, you know, in the NFL. But the thing is, is all those, you know, trials and tribulations that I experienced in college were just preparing me for 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 new, um, you know, for new endeavors that I was going to be facing uh, in the NFL. Uh, for example, uh, my injury my sophomore year, you know, breaking my ankle and being out for the entire year and, and Coach Moore's last year and the year that, uh, the last year that we won the SoCon, um, that was definitely a tough moment, you know, to recover from that season and the injury. But, um, you know, one moment that really sticks out to me, um, I just thought about it as you said that, was um, I would say the Furman game. We played Furman, and um, I had been having some success. And I had been doing pretty good, and I got banged up against the week before Wofford because we were practicing the triple option. Rolled my ankle, sprained my ankle. And I went into the game against, you know, Wofford and didn't do as good. And, um, you know, I never thought that I would, you know, my opportunity would come back around because I'm like, hey, like they benched me. Like, you know, they benched all the freshmen that game my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and um, you know, I never thought it was going to come around again. Well, a couple of weeks later, we're, we're playing against Furman. And, um, you know, this is kind of the game uh, to win, you know, win the SOCON if we, we need to have this win. And, um, you know, Coach Jones gets on the headset and he says, hey, Doug, like, we need you right now. We need you to come in and make a big play. Uh, you know, our corner play hasn't been as well, and, and we need you, you know, we need a spark from you. And, um, you know, I came in that game, and the first series I gave up, like, a 96-yard touchdown oh. uh, on a slant against Furman, and we lost that game, and we lost the SoCon championship. Um, two days later, when I came into the building on Monday, um, Coach Sloan gave me an article, and in the article, it was from uh, DJ Smith, um, and at the time, he was playing for the Green Bay Packers, and it says, uh, DJ Smith, the title of the article was, DJ Smith sees his opportunity, and, uh, and when, you read the, when you read the rest of the article, it talks about how he always prepared as if he was going to play, even though he, he knew he, you know, whether he was going to play or not, or, or what was going to happen, or who would be up active or inactive, or whether he would start or not start or who, you know, you just, there's so many things that happens in a football game that you can't control. And it just talked about how he always came prepared um, and, and, and in a way that he would play every snap if he had to. And, um, you know, I read that article and from that moment on, I never approached a game or opportunity um, not prepared. And mm-hmm. that lesson that, that I learned from that, um, you know, has carried me throughout my entire uh, career and, and also in the NFL because there's times where injuries happen in a game or, you know, sometimes you're on practice squad and you think, hey, like I'm never going to play. And they say, hey, like somebody just went down last week. You're going to be up for the rest of the season. You're going to be up for this week. And and now if you, you know, if you didn't take advantage of the opportunity you had before and you were just, you know, playing around or you didn't take it as serious and, and now you're going to be thrust into uh, the game and you're not ready, you're going to embarrass yourself. And, and um, that was one thing, one lesson I learned from Coach Sloan that that really prepared me. Uh, the last one I give you um, was really just uh, my senior year. So my junior year, um, I had a lot of success, um, you know, first team all conference, like you spoke about, uh, Jim Thorpe Award, um, you know, nominee, and going into my senior year. And, um, you know, during the camp, Coach Sloan said, hey, like, you know, 
you're going to be our starter, but, you know, you're going to have to rotate with some of the other guys. Like, you know, for us to have a lot of team success, you're you're going to have to take a step back individually because we have a lot of talented guys on the back end. And, you know, I really don't want to mess up the charisma and the, and the team chemistry that we have. It's nothing that you did wrong, um, you know, but we're going to need you just to, you know, give them some playing time sometimes and kind of rotate. And uh, when I heard that, it's, it's very um, easy to think about a, a selfish mentality like, hey, like, you're going to rotate me like a guy that's been first team all conference at four picks last year. I was the, you know, truly kind of, I mean, statistically the best player that's returning on this team. And you're going to tell me that I'm I'm going to rotate with, with some other guys too. Um, and that really took a hit in my pride. But the lesson that I learned from that um, was, was, first of all, how to be a team first guy. And mm. second of all, there's a lot of things that happen in your life that you can't control. And um, you, you really have to trust the process and trust that um, – Trust that God is 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 creating a way. God is doing what's best for you, and um and at that time, like that lesson taught me so much because we went on to have um the most team success we've had up to that point in the last couple of years, and winning the first bowl game in school history, and um you know it was a, it was a great year, and and if all I looked at was just my individual success, um then then you know none of that would have been uh been able to have been achieved. Ah. I love it. What a great perspective and, and cool to look back at the, at the lessons learned. And especially, you know, in all of our lives, we can relate to that. Some of the, the disappointments and frustrations and adversity that we go through, God uses it to refine us, change us, grow us, yeah. and, and, and that sort of thing. And so your story, and, and most of us, this is the case, it continues. It's, yeah. it's, an, it's an ongoing. Life is challenging. Just yeah. I, I feel that in my own life. As soon as I think I got through something, something <laughs> else pops up. It's like, all right, yeah. all right, we got to keep keep growing. Yeah. And so here you go. You wrap up an app, and you're. I guess at what point did you think, all right, the NFL is realistic? The next step. That's what I am. I'm going to to pursue, and I've got a, a good shot at it. What was that kind of process like? And then how did the uh, disappointment of going undrafted fit, fit into all of that. Yeah, so you bring up a great point. Um, actually, I, I really considered leaving my junior year. Like, I, I felt like my junior year was amazing. Um, you know, I, I had a ton of success, and, and agents were already kind of contacting me, and I was like, hey, like, you know, the safety class that year wasn't that good. And I was like, man, I might just leave this year or at least transfer to, um, you know, a bigger school maybe to, to try to – uh, you know, boost my boost my draft stock a little bit. And, and in the end, I made the decision to, uh, you know, to stay at Appalachian State. I, I knew there was a lot of unfinished business um, just as far as our team and things that I want to accomplish in that way. And, and we were going through a lot of transition, and I want to see that through. Um, so I made the decision to stay. Um, and then, you know, going in and having, um, you know, that adversity my senior year and, and not having statistically um, the season I want to have, um, to a lot of people, uh, my dream of playing in the NFL then it was not really realistic. And um, you know, I made a decision. There was this agent that was always, um, well, actually, my agent now that that always supported me throughout my entire senior year in college. He would always uh, check up on me and always send the same messages and always kind of, you know, be consistent, never too high, never too low. Even though the season was was moving in different ways, and um, you know, I had other agents that kind of felt differently. You know, I had an agent that. Uh, after that first game, well, that first after that Clemson game, I didn't make any uh, any big plays. They, I never heard from that agent again. You know, I'm still to this day never heard from them. And uh, you know, they 
they really had, you know, they thought I could go second round, going into second, third round, or fourth round, whatever, going into my senior year, and and kind of all that was lost after the year. But um, I made a decision to go train down in Miami, um, you know, before the draft, and I knew that for me to take my game to the next level and for me to even have a chance at making it to the NFL, I was going to have to get really serious and uh, about my craft and really, um, really focus in. And I did that, and I came back to the pro day um, as prepared as I could have been and, and as professional as I could have been. And, and you know, I had an awesome pro day. And I think, um, you know, I think my pro day is what gave me the opportunity to even, you know, have that opportunity because, you know, just based on my film, my senior year, it probably didn't, you know, it wasn't good enough. And um, so when I got that opportunity to go undrafted, I was definitely uh, frustrated because, you know, I wanted to be drafted. Like there were teams calling me in the sixth and seventh round. They were like, hey, like, uh, you know, I would I would pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, like, is this the pick? Like y'all picking me? And they're like, no, no, we just want to let you know that, like, if you go undrafted, like we want to we want to sign you. And I'm like, hey, you got like three more draft picks. Like, like, how about you draft me and maybe I'll go to your team. And um, so that was definitely frustrating. Uh, you know, even getting calls on draft day saying that, hey, you might be one of our picks and, um, you know, not that not happening. And, and it was something that has motivated me in my entire career. And, you know, mm. being undrafted is something that sticks with you your entire career. Um, it's a title that you have until you change them, change their opinion. And, um, you know, I got that call at the end of the draft from the Jets. Um, just let me know that, hey, I would have the opportunity to, 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 to have a chance, have a shot and go to camp with the Jets. And, um, it was awesome because the Jets was my favorite team growing up. I was a huge Darrell Rivas fan. Oh, wow. like Marshall at the, at the time. And, you know, I loved Rex Ryan as a head coach. He was the head coach when I got there. But um, I just, you know, that that was one of the reasons why I became a Jets fan. And, uh, hmm. you know, to have that experience was awesome. And, um, yeah, just to get my foot in the door. And, and like I said, just being ready for my opportunity because, I you know, I, I took it from there. Man, well, it, it, it speaks to, again, the, the challenges and the sometimes we have expectations and things turn out differently. And, and here we are, though, you know, six years later, you've been able to play in the NFL, which it, it's it's remarkable. I mean, it, it really is. Anytime you talk about a guy who's played over three years, over five years, it's 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 a it's a cool thing. And but in the midst of that, you've played. You've been signed. You've been cut. You've been on the yeah. practice squad. You've been activated. You've been cut again. Yeah. And so you've you've played for multiple teams and, and having to go to multiple cities. And so through all of that, how has your your faith in in God grown? And 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 how have you relied on Him through that uncertainty? What have, what have you learned through that? And 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 what what has your NFL experience been like so far? Yeah, right. You asked some good questions, man. Um... <laughs> You know, my entire story and, and and the fact that I even got to got to this level and and got to this opportunity of playing in the NFL has been totally around. Um, you know, been totally by the grace of God because you know, chances are, um, you know, a guy that has you know two pec surgeries, um, it's been cut multiple times, undrafted. There is no way a guy like that should even be making it into or even have the opportunity to see year seven um, is, you know, which is about to start, you know, uh, this year. Um, there's been so many times where my faith has really helped me out and really helped me to stay grounded and helped me to understand that, um, you know, 
this opportunity isn't the last opportunity and that, you know, having somebody tell me no um, doesn't mean, you know, denial doesn't, you know, just because I received that denial and, and there's a delay doesn't mean that it never will happen. And uh, that's something that I had to realize early on in my career, um, you know, my rookie year when I felt like I had a great camp and they told me they were going to put me on practice squad. I'm like, hey, like, you know, I, I deserve to be on, you know, on the active roster off the bat. And I took that time to really perfect my craft. And and I can just remember praying throughout that entire season, like, um, you know, when it started to getting closer to us playing the 49ers because my college roommate, Ronald Blair, was on the team. And, and I know I needed three games to have that accredited season for the benefits and stuff. And, and um, you know, I just prayed to God, like, hey, like, I feel like I'm ready. Um, you know, I was just, you know, praying for this opportunity uh, to be able to play this game against against my best friend. And uh, that was the first time that I can re really remember, like, faith being a huge part uh, in my career. And, um, you know, I prayed and, and it happened. Um, I got the call uh, maybe a couple of days um, that Tuesday. My off day, I, you know, it was right before the Christmas party. And they let me know that, hey, like, we're going to be uh, activating you this week. And you're going to, you know, play against the 49ers and you'll be active for the rest of the season. Uh, we just appreciate the way you work and, um, you know, you've went about everything like a professional and, and we just appreciate it. And um, so that was my first my first prayer answer. The second year um, was really tough because, um, you know, I lost my best friend that year and, and you know, um, to suicide. And then the next week I had well, the next day well that same day I had to go to camp. And then two weeks later, uh, I tore my pec. Um, so. You know, I learned a lot of lessons in that season and, and just really trusting God um, with the fact that, hey, there was something else that he wanted me to focus on at that time. And, you know, starting my foundation and going back to school and, and working on my master's. And then in year three, uh, making it back from all of that, uh, you know, starting some games, starting next to first round picks and, and friends that have, that have became brothers, uh, Jamal Adams, um, you know, a lot of guys that have had huge success in the NFL and, and starting um, and in and, and a good group of games that year and, and playing and, and really contributing and having fun. And then next thing you know, um, you know, a, a peck tear on the opposite, you know, shoulder. And, and now, you know, I was at a, uh, I mean, I would say, I would define it as like rock bottom um, mm. because at this point in time, I can't really understand at all what God could be wanting me to do or, you know, the vision that God has for my life or even, you know, why God would be hindering my success, you know, being that I've already been through so much and I finally been able to work myself into the highest level of my career. I'm um, starting safety and, and, you know, to lose it all was, uh, was, was very frustrating. Um, and, you know, for me, just, you know, I just stayed grounded. I, I, I got closer to him. I got further away before I got closer to him mm. uh, at that time, but yeah, uh, he, you know, he reeled me back in and, and was able to help me see uh, the bright spots of, of, of that year. And, and uh, one of those bright spots were me graduating with my master's in public administration and um, <clears throat> also being uh, the NFL's community MVP for one of those, you know, one of those weeks. And, um, you know, really just, you know, developing a lot of relationships that will last um, past my football career um, and just saying that God, you know, is, is has put me on a, a, a different trajectory with my life than just playing football. And then, you know, 2019, um, you know, getting cut once we had a new head coach, a new GM. And, and uh, now after that, you know, finding a new home with the Dolphins and then 
uh, you know, going to a place that uh, I probably had no business in playing at because that scheme was not for me. I mean, they uh-huh. play zero coverage every snap. I mean, it's like 100 degrees outside. That wasn't really any of my strong suits. You know, I, I came from the mountains. And I'm, I'm, right. I played on the south, but that Miami Heat is different, and it's a lot different when you're just playing man coverage every snap. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that wasn't really, you know, one of my uh, best opportunities. But it led me on to – to get linked up with the Jacksonville Jaguars maybe, you know, a week or two after uh, losing my job with the Dolphins. And, um, you know, that was, you know, awesome, awesome to play for the Jaguars. And, um, you know, to have that opportunity uh, to go out there in a place that my cousin, who, uh, Greg Jones, who, had, you know, had pretty much introduced me to the game of football and oh, yeah. had helped me, you know, really grow my career and, and training with him in the off seasons. And he played 10 years for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, really getting a chance to go down there and learn from him and spend some time with him and bring everything, the moment full circle uh, was awesome. Um, and, and then that 2020 year uh, dealing with COVID and so many things in life that you cannot control. And uh, when they made the, you know, the roster cuts down to um, down to 80, um, you know, that was, that was really tough, but I will tell you this. Um, this is probably my biggest faith testimony I've ever I've ever given somebody. I don't, I don't even think like more than like 30 people know this story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it to you. So, um, yeah, going you. into 2020, um, you know, I was, I felt like the Jacksonville Jaguars were a great opportunity for me to really, you know, jumpstart my career again. And I was going to have the opportunity to really compete for a job. And, and, um, during that time, like COVID happened, you know, right when COVID happened in February and, and, um, you know, I started get started hearing that, you know, they were going to be having to change rosters around a little bit. And there were so many things that was uncertain with the NFL, if we were going to even play a season. Or, there were so many things that was up in the air, um, you know, but I decided to, to get engaged that year, that summer. We were kind of looking for places to live and, you know, where we could start our family. And, um, you know, I, I found this house on the Internet that, that um, you know, we were in um, – you know, we were really like, and it was a little bit out of our, our price range at, at that moment. And we were like, Hey, like, we're going to believe God that this is, is, this is a good opportunity for our family. So went and seen it, put an offer in it and I uh, wrote them a letter. I wrote them a letter and said, Hey, like, you know, I could really see myself raising my family here. This is a great home that you all have built. And, uh, you know, I sent that letter in and I offered one, offer one. Um, and, and we were able to get the house. Um, but then as we were able to get the house, we start going on with the process. And um, I'm starting to hear um, that, um, you know, they may make the roster cuts to 80. Mm. And so I'm like, man, like, you know, I could I could possibly lose my job. And if I lost my job during the time of the loan, uh, I would, you know, I would lose all the money that I put into getting the house on the contract and, and really lose the house. Wow. Um, so I just prayed. I said, you know, God, I pray that, you know, you just give me the opportunity to 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 get this house and whatever happens, like I, you know, I trust fully in you and, and trust fully in the plans that you have for me. And, and I, I know this is where you want me to be. And so every team starts cutting their roster down to 80, like every team starts getting it down to 80. And like a lot of guys that I'm like, Hey, like if he's cut, like I might be getting cut, you know, type of thing. And, uh, you know, I'm riding around and uh, the closing day is like actually on that, on that Friday. And, um, you know, um, I hear Coach Doug Marone at the time on the radio, and he says, hey, like, you know, we're going to give the guys, um, you know, just a couple of days to, you know, just 
just try to make some last evaluations before we decide who we cut. And they were the only team that did that. Every other wow. team got down to 80 before they even reported for camp. Uh, literally, um, that Friday, um, I signed to close my house that morning. Um, maybe like um, maybe an hour later, um, I got cut. Um, wow. I closed my house. And so um, that was tough because it was like, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, getting his dream house, but at the same time, <laughs> losing my dream uh, where I thought, you know, I could see myself playing that year and, and being on a team that I, you know, I really wanted to be with and had to, you know, face my fiance at the time. And, and we were about to get into this new endeavor, not having any clue of how like all of this would work. And we just prayed. And, and um, you know, one of my friends called me, his name is Todd Smith. He's been in the NFL like eight years, but he called me and said, you know, God just wants you to go home and get settled and, and, and get everything together and, and he'll bring you back, you know, when you're ready. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy that you say that. And, um, mm. you know, so we get settled, we get everything moved in. And then literally, uh, you know, I, I take a visit to the Colts and they were just like, hey, we just don't understand why they cut you. And I'm like, I don't understand either. Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure <laughs> it out too. He was like, yeah, we won't be signing you today, but we were just trying to make sure nothing wasn't wrong with you. You know, we didn't, we just didn't get it. So, um, they were like, okay. And then so then the, the Tennessee Titans called and they were like, hey, like, um, we'll sign you. We don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, we'll kind of sign you and, and, and check you out, give you like a day evaluation. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to show in the day, but okay. So I signed with them and uh, they was like, okay, like, you know, you look healthy, you look good. Like, we're going to put you on practice squad to learn a playbook. I'm sitting there with Ray Bull and the GM. And then the next day, um, you know, they say, um, you know, hey, like we saw another guy we, we kinda like. We're gonna we're gonna sign him. And I'm like, okay, like that doesn't make any sense anyway, you know, at all. And and so I go back home and now at this point the season has started and I don't have a job. And I am like, man, what I'm gonna do? What am I gonna do? And I st- I just start praying and, and um praying for opportunity and, and next thing you know, after week one, the Jaguars called me back and they said, Hey, we wanna bring you back. And, um, you know, we want to sign you back to the team. Um, you know, you probably on practice squad for like a week or two, but we definitely, you know, see you playing a lot for us this season. All that happened in a in a three-week time span. <sighs> you know, and, and so just, just a testimony from all of that is that um, you may not see uh, what God is doing at the time. You may not see um, – you know, what he, what he even wants you to learn from that situation. You may not know what may happen in those next weeks, but, um, you know, first thing is never be too, never be too high or never be too low. And the next thing is um, just trust God and trust that he has a plan for you and a, a plan for you to, to succeed in life. And, and, you know, what's meant to be is going, is going to happen. And, and, you know, faith is a big part of it. And, and the other part is like I spoke about earlier, being ready for your opportunity, being ready for when your time comes. And, and I was always ready. And uh, that's what gave me the, 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 the opportunity to stick around. And, and, you know, here I am. So, man, that is cool. Well, well thank, yeah. thanks for, for sharing. And, you know, it's just a reminder that, that God is in the details. He, he cares about us yeah. and he, he provides and leads and guides. So yeah. um, we just got to continue to, to trust them, even when it, wait, this doesn't make sense. And wait, how's yeah. this going to happen? And well, Doug, I appreciate you sharing all, all about your, your story and journey and, and, and getting to know you. And and I also want to share with our, our listeners today, just what you're, you're passionate about and the, and the work that, that you're doing. And, and really, 
I, I would think this is a calling and, and, and this is what, what God has uh, given you a passion for and equipped you to, to be able to speak on is, is this passion for, for mental health and to be able to really speak into the lives of, of people and, and especially youth. That, that, that need encouragement in so many ways. And, and so I'll let you share kind of where, where this, this passion, how, how did it begin and what, what kind of took you down this path to, to be able to even start your, your foundation, dream the impossible uh, to be able to, to, to be in this, this area. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, going into my second year, um, like I spoke about um, my best friend had been my best friend AJ. He had been struggling for um, a few previous years up to that point with uh, severe depression, and um, I got the call when I was in Miami training for my second season, um, and that you know AJ had just just died from suicide. Mm. And uh, I spoke at the church and just kind of let people know not only our relationship that we had and how close we were, but also some of the things that AJ was dealing with. Uh, the moment I got up there got down from the stage, pastor uh, got up there and just talked about how we just need to bring all our burdens to the Lord and that, you know, nothing about mental health was, was as serious as I made it out to be. And, and that, um, you know, pretty much casting off everything that I said. And, and, you know, after that service, a few people walked up to me and they said, Hey, I'm struggling too. And I don't know what to do. I don't know where to find resources. And, um, you know, it just really hit me. Um, and it hit me so hard that, um, you know, I just started thinking of different ideas of, of how I can help. Um, but in the meantime, you know, two hours later after I buried my best friend, I had to get on a flight and head to my second NFL training camp with the Jets. Uh, so all those ideas that I had in my front of my head were really kind of pushed to the side because, you know, I have to go out there and, and, and play the game that I love and provide for my family. Um, you know, going into that, that first preseason game, um, I had a great camp up to that point. And, uh, you know, I suffered a season in the injury, tore my pec. And, um, you know, I went home and I just started to think about, like, what, you know, what am I supposed to do with this time? Um, and, you know, I just started Googling different things. And, and I looked up and got connected to uh, somebody in the high country um, um, that, that had represented uh, National Alliance of Mental Illness. Got connected with them, told them my story. And they said, hey, like, you can really help a lot of people. And um, so from that point on, I uh, just, you know, I started to speak with youth and started to speak with other age groups about some of my experiences and, and, and life lessons that I've learned from AJ's death. And then, um, you know, I, I got motivated after talking to other people to start my own foundation. Uh, after, you know, some of the things that I wanted to do in my community, I couldn't really find the resources to do. Um, so that's why I started my foundation. And uh, we started doing different events with youth and mental health and educating them about mental health and trying to eradicate the stigma around mental health and uh, really just, uh, you know, looking at it from um, a, a total approach of, of not only just mental health, but why do people suffer? Like, is it because, you know, they're hungry? Is it because they don't have resources? Is it because they don't have finances? Like, is it because, like, they're going through trauma? Like, you know, why do people, you know, go through, you know, reach out for help? And, and you know, part of part of it is the fact that, hey, like everything in my life isn't the way that I want it to be. And there are some things that I want in my life to improve. And so we look at how can we help, you know, at least from the youth, uh, how can we help some of those things improve? And so I started my foundation during the impossible. And then um, a couple of years later, I got introduced to this group 
um, that was really working with student athletes and mental health. And that was something I was very passionate about because I'm a student athlete too. My best friend was a student athlete and I've seen uh, so many athletes struggle with mental health. I mean, I've been in the, you know, NFL locker rooms, college locker rooms for, you know, you know, seven, you know, almost seven years in NFL side, five years in college side. And I've seen a lot of guys go through some tough moments and, um, you know, I've, I've lost uh, teammates um, in NFL locker rooms uh, to suicide, you know, and, uh, you know, this is a real, very real thing. And, and, you know, and I had this idea to be able to provide some sort of resource or be able to help them out. And, um, you know, I just got connected with the right people and they said, Hey, like, this is an idea that we've been working on. It's called extra. And I said, Hey, like, this is the same idea I thought of maybe two years ago, but I just didn't have the capacity uh, to bring it forward. And it's, and just another testament of how God aligns the right people in your life to, to really push, um, push his mission forward. And, and, and that's what he did. So right now we have Dream the Possible and Extra. And, and now I'm also, um, you know, going around and speaking about something that I'm very passionate about. And that's mental health and that's faith and, and, and just how, like, you know, faith and uh, um, God can, can lead you through some of the issues that you're going, um, that you have going on. And um, just sharing my story of how, you know, you have to learn the, the, the signs of, of suicide. You have to learn the warning signs. You have to learn. Um, you know, some of the things that contribute to, to suicide and, and the risk factors and, um, you know, being able to educate people with that and being able to educate others in my life has been, it's been something that I've, that I've received as my calling and received as something that I'm really, um, I really live for. And uh, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, I've been spending more time doing that than I actually have been doing football as of recently as this last two months. Um, but um you know, I think I think this is something that I'm going to be doing for a while. Um, so, so yeah, I just you know I really appreciate um, you giving me the opportunity to speak about that. Absolutely, and encourage people to check out dreamtheimpossible.org. No, I mean I've wrestled with it my, myself as far as the role that God plays, the role that I play in whether my own mental health or helping other people's mental health, and I I think it's it can be complicated at times. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you know, where I land is God, God uses people. So like, even I, I meet with my mentor once a month, God speaks through my mentor to speak to me, to encourage me to, to some of the stuff that I'm dealing with and all that sort of thing. And, and God has given us doctors for physical health. He's, given people the ability to create uh, I, I'm starting a nose spray that's helping my allergies. God gave somebody the wisdom to do that, right? We live in a broken world. Pollen makes me sneeze. Well, now there's a solution for that. Well, when it comes to mental health, that's part of our body. It's part of the broken world that we're in. And God uses doctors and medicine and counseling and pastors and, and all that friends. He, he uses it all. Um, and so we can't, we, we have to be open to God's leading and guiding and, and to be able to take the necessary steps to um, take our, our mental health seriously and take the mental health of others seriously as well. And to not just blow it off and, Hey, come on, man, cheer up or, Hey, come on, that's no big deal. Or, um, you know, God's got you, which is true. God's got us in the palm of his hand and he loves us and he cares for us. We still, there, there are other steps that, that God uses. Um, sometimes he'll, 
he'll he'll fix everything right away, and he chooses to do that. So anyway, Doug, I'm I'm just sharing yeah. my heart with you and kind of where, and you can speak yeah, to. Wait, so because you, I mean, I mean, you're exactly right, you know, and I and I think that's the conversation that that needs to happen is like nobody's arguing against the power of of God or the power of Jesus. No, nobody is saying that. Hey, like you know. God is is not the one that can solve everything. That's that's not what that's not what we're saying. No. The only thing we're saying is is what you just said is that God has blessed so many people with so many individual talents and so many people that can help this world and make this world a better place. How is that any different than God giving talent to a therapist or God giving talent to to doctors or God giving talent to uh, to peer support groups or like people that like how is that any different and um. The thing is, we don't, I mean, I, the church plays a huge part in this. You know, they have a huge platform. I mean, that when people struggle, they go to the church. When people, you know, some some people go to church three, four times a week because they need to be refueled spiritually. Some people yeah. read the Bible every day because they need to re, be refueled spiritually. At the same time, we cannot, you know, keep acting, you know, keep acting like we can't have this conversation. Like, let's not ignore it anymore. You know, let's right. let's welcome the conversation. Let's embrace it. Let's let's lead it. Because if we lead it, then we can bring more people to God through this instead of yeah. pushing people away from God. And and that's all I'm trying to do. Like, I, I don't want to argue which side is better. Like, oh, should you handle this issue by praying or should you handle this issue by going to see a therapist? I believe in prayer plus therapy. It's, it's, it's the encompass of all the issues. I think everybody can help us. Everybody's part, you know. But... I would like to see the church leading that conversation because they have so much power. They, there's so many people that, that give money, that give their time, that volunteer, that put so much um, time and effort and faith into the church that we need to have them on our side when we have this conversation. So that's, that's my only opinion with it. And, 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 you know, I've grew up in the church since I was a little kid and, and, I'm still a big believer um, in God. And, and a lot of people uh, got this one question one time. And they said, hey, like, you know, you losing all these people to suicide. Has that changed, uh, you know, changed your belief in God? And has that changed your faith level? And I was like, man, that's 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 a, I, you know, I never really thought about it like that. But, you know, it hasn't. Um, if anything, it's, it's brought me closer to God. And, 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 and you know, I'm still hopeful. I'm still uh, motivated that, you know, one day, um, you know, everything, th- these conversations will be normal in the church. And, and it's starting to become that in some churches. Yeah, we've got to encourage one another to take the steps toward toward counseling and toward getting help, too. We can we can walk alongside somebody to a certain point, whether it's a friend. And, but then we might get to a point where we're like, man, I don't know what else to say. Right, right. You need you need some more professional help that are that are equipped in that area. And ultimately, yeah, I mean, our, our faith helps us so that we don't worry and have anxiety. And, and when we trust God, yeah, it, that, that factors in. There's no question about it. Um, but along with that, our faith will be built when we're getting encouragement from multiple directions and, and yeah. help in multiple ways. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll strengthen that faith so that we can deal with the, the, the number of issues that, that happen mentally. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. It's, it's not, you know, just the last point. It's, it's not all just, you know, counseling. There's so many resources out there. I mean, it's it's not even just, you know, just going to see somebody. It's just just being a good person. Let's let's start there. You know, let's start with how we can, you know, 
you know, support each other or, or, or be there for each other. Or, or that's, those are messages um, that I would like to see in the church more, you know, before we even talk about, you know, the exact science and, and counseling and all that stuff like that. But like, just mm. how to be a better Christian, how to be a better person, how to be a better supporter of our people. Um, I think we can start there and then kind of move on to the next phase. Yeah. And even the, just the reality that let's just stop pretending yeah. let's stop pretending that everything's okay. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, and we live in the social media world where we put our best stuff out there and that's kind of dipped into the rest of our, our life and relationships. Let's be real with one another. How about that? Let's start there. And let, let's also, let's just be friends. Like let's be a good friend. And, and I, this is something I'm big on. Sometimes we have to wait. We, we have to stop waiting for somebody to reach out to us. Yeah. Just yeah. Be, be the initiator be someone that, that reaches out, takes the, takes the, makes the effort, takes the step just to be a friend. And then as you're a friend and as you reconnect with people, things can, can, you know, bubble up and, and then you can encourage one another. So I can talk about this all day. Yeah. Doug. It's, yeah, that's, good. <laughs> that's good. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have another, another conversation at some point for sure, but I appreciate what you're doing and, 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 and willing to uh, yeah dive into a, to- a tough topic for sure. Um, so Thanks for being on the show today. I, I know we went long, but man, this was uh, this was awesome. A lot lot to unpack with you, and uh, proud of you as a mountaineer. So keep up keep up the great work, and uh, we'll we'll talk again. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. There's Doug Middleton joining us here on the Unpacking It podcast, presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.